When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. It is now 4-2 for Winnipeg leading Toronto halfway through the third period. Appleton with the Jets' fourth goal of the night. Uh, don't forget, after tonight, the Jets and Leafs are still going to play each other eight more times. So, you know, Winnipeg would have to do very well in that season series, but still a shot at first place if they do do well. The Red Wings lead the Lightning 3-2. That's late in the second. Late in the first, Dallas already up 2-0 on Chicago. Jamie Alexiak has his third of the season. In the third, the Panthers lead Columbus 3-1. The Predators and Hurricanes are tied 2-2. Capitals up 4-1 on the Devils. Sabres up 4-3 on the Flyers. Bruins and Islanders in a 1-1 tie. And it is now over in Pittsburgh. The Penguins have beaten the Rangers 4-2. Sidney Crosby sealed it with his ninth of the season. Curling tonight, Alberta's Brendan Botcher scoreless with Brad Jacobs from Northern Ontario. They have completed two ends in Calgary. Okay, so thanks to a text from uh, Mark and Red Deer, I threw out the off-topic topic, and you can write in to the text line if you want, 780-496-0063. Which position in a team sport do you have the most admiration for or do you just think is the alpha position in all of team sports? For me, it's quarterback in football. Ryan and Jake in Red Deer uh, say point guard in basketball, shooting, athletic, passing, running the offense, and you have to be like a captain on defense. Cowtown Bob says middle linebackers, the alpha position. They have to figure out an offense that's possibly a little harder than figuring out a defense, also much more physical than the quarterback. Ice Castle's Brad says, I hate baseball, but I don't think the back catcher gets nearly enough respect. Not only are they having to read and call plays to the pitcher, they're keeping an eye on several widely distributed positions at once and having to make explosive moves out of an absolutely knee-destroying position. And Lauren in Drayton Valley also says, back catcher, John says, goaltender, specifically in soccer, you have to read and cover a massive area. And uh, Mark and uh, the Deer wrote back, and by the way, and said he that he was a winger in rugby, a position that requires speed, agility, and good vision if you wish to play uh, another rugby game. Uh, yes, a bunch of positions I have very little experience with, except perhaps in in, uh, in video games, given my athletic career or lack of one. <laughs> Appreciate those, and we'll get to more as they come in throughout the evening to 780-496-0063. The Edmonton Oil Kings are 4-0, and the BC division in the Western Hockey League is getting ready to start. To discuss that, former Edmonton Oiler, head coach and GM with the Prince George Cougars, we welcome back to Inside Sports the one and only Mark Lamb. Mark, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's always great to catch up with you. I, I've always enjoyed our conversations over the last few years on the show. I'm going to start with something a little different tonight, but I think something you will enjoy. 
a listener sure. to the show a few minutes ago texted in and said, uh, hey, I was through Mark Lamb's hometown last week, and they sent a picture. Home of Mark Lamb, welcome to Cadillac, Saskatchewan. How about that? Somebody was recently through your hometown. What were they doing down there? They must have got lost or something. That's a long ways down there. <clears throat> Tell me a little bit about growing up uh, growing up in Cadillac. I, I know very little about it. I, I just found it on the map, and, uh, yeah, pretty pretty southern Saskatchewan. Uh, I, I assume, uh, you know, minor hockey, and, and that is, that's the big sport in town? Yeah, well, it, it's a farming, ranching community, and I, I grew up on a farm out there. And, uh, you know, we were, we were just like any other family. It was a, the Cadillac. Was, we had our, our uh, post office in Pontex, and, which was 12 miles away from our farm, and then Cadillac was 12 miles away from our farm. So we went to, we went to school in, in Cadillac uh, until I was 12 years old, and we moved into just not the whole family, but uh, my mom and, and my brothers and, and sister moved in uh, so we could play hockey. We didn't have so much driving. I just am checking Cadillac, Saskatchewan. It says based on the 2016 census, so about five years ago, the population was 92. Though, I, though, like you said, probably you know, a lot of people who use the town who uh, who who uh, who live in rural, you know, and on ranches or farms or whatever. Yeah. But that's uh, that. That's, I mean, I, I I briefly as a kid. Um, uh, Mark uh, lived in a, in a town in Alberta called Alder Flats, which was around 80 to 90 people before we moved to Evansburg, yeah. which was over a thousand. So it was thriving by, but it, but it's a unique experience. And I think obviously a lot of hockey players come from big cities, but, but I think it's a unique and special journey for those guys who make, you know, major junior or the NHL in those small towns. Cause I think it's a different sort of appreciation. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It's very intimidating. Um, you know, just myself uh, coming into Swift Current to play. There was there was other guys. You know, Rocky Trotchy from Valmarie, very small little town. Gord Kluzak from Climax, and you know the Lemaire boys from Valmarie also. And uh, so there was when we went into play. There was a you know quite a few other kids from small little towns that made it familiar for myself but uh you know going into even swifter and i've said this many times that uh, uh the, one of the first times i went into swifter and went over the hill and that's when there's probably fifteen thousand people there i was like there's not a chance i'll ever learn my way around this place <laughs> but you figured it out somehow <laughs> i figured it out yeah yeah exactly did, did you have any of those moments in the NHL, like getting off a bus or a flight in Chicago or New York or Montreal and thinking like, okay, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, this, this is what the big cities are like. Oh, every time. Uh, and even, not even the first time I was in those cities, um, I, you know, my eyes were really big, even, even later in my career and even into my coaching career, I was, I was always so excited and, and really couldn't believe, uh, what the big journey was all the way to the NHL and still really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate those memories, Mark. I, 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 you know, obviously uh, Edmonton's, you know, a relatively big city, but so many rural connections here. I know people love hearing those types of stories too. And like me, a lot of people grew up in a smaller place before, before coming to Edmonton. You're obviously in Prince George now and Hey, you're going to get to play Friday, March 26th. You know, I'll start with kind of the, the softball here, but, 
I mean, how excited were you? How did how did you and all the players feel when you finally got that start date? Well, we were we were probably more excited than than everybody else because we were the last province to get uh, uh, that we were told that we were able to play. So um, the excitement from when we heard that from myself and then talking to the players and, and the staff and even the, even the office staff, everybody was just so, so pumped up. And, 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 you know, the, the, the long wait, it's been a year and, and I can't give, you know, the owners in, in this league enough credit uh, to really go out there and, and really work hard and, and, and the league office really work hard to put everything together uh, so we could give our, our players a chance to, to play and, and develop. What kind of team stuff were you able to do in the fall and in the winter before you got the go-ahead to be on the ice? The Oil Kings tell me a lot about Zoom meetings and activities. Is that what the Cougars were looking at? Yeah, that's that's the only thing you, you could do. You just keep uh, you know kept in touch with uh, with all your players, making sure that they're getting all the, the right tools to work out. And and you know back then there there was some ice time around where you know kids were getting ice time in their in their hometowns and and, and doing everything they could. Uh, you know to play hockey. So that's what even makes it more gratifying. How 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 dedicated uh, the kids were right across the board in in our league and trying to stay in shape and just sticking with it and, and hopefully being able to play a game this year. Yeah, for sure. Mark Lamb joining us on Inside Sports, former Edmonton Oilers head coach and GM of the Prince George Cougars. Uh, March 26 is the start date for the BC Division. Okay, so the hub centers are Kamloops and Kelowna. So how will it work for Prince George? Will one of those serve as your home rink, or how will it break down for you guys? Yeah, that, that's exactly. Uh, the Prince George Cougars and Vancouver and are going to base out of Kamloops, uh, and then Kelowna and, and Victoria are going to base out of Kelowna. So we're in a... Right now, as we speak, uh, I'm in quarantine, so we'll quarantine here till the, uh, till the 12th, and then we'll go to... I'll, I'll go to Kamloops and then uh, we'll get tested there and then we'll quarantine there in a hotel room for another five, six more days and then get tested again. And hopefully we everything goes smooth and we can start practicing on the 18th. Can you run training camp the way you would have run it in September or are you going to have to make some serious modifications here? Yeah, serious modifications. Uh, you know, yeah, this is going to be one of the weirdest you know it's not even a training camp every kid that you brought in and there's some young kids that are coming in that we've AP'd that uh, their seasons are cancelled and uh, so it's going to be really mixed and but everybody that's coming into the hub is going to have made the team uh, there's no real tryouts uh, so it's going to be a quick learning experience uh, you know a lot of these kids you know weren't weren't able to get on the ice at, at certain times and nobody's able to get on the ice for two weeks because everyone's going to be in quarantine so we're going to have to take it slow but uh, we're going to have to rev it up pretty quick because one week isn't uh, isn't very long to to learn everything even though uh, you know we got uh, probably half our, our group is is veterans yeah what are, what are some expectations for the team this year and especially the the context of I mean, it's going to be over a year since you played, so I don't know if any yeah. you can feel like you're continuing anything from last year, but what are some reasonable expectations for PG? 
Well, we're, you know, we're building and, and, and we're growing. So that's our expectations. Um, you know, we want to, you know, you want to mix in your young guys with your veterans and you want that, that leadership, but, you know, I think everybody's expectations are, are right up in the air right now. Like you said, we haven't seen a hockey player for a year. Um, you know, a couple of them got to play a little bit, so we, we've seen them a little bit. But, you know, they've been off for so long. But, um, you know, we're still going to push the same way. We want to get better all the time. We want to have good practices. We want to be professional about everything. And, and we want to improve and, and turn into a good team. All right, so you're going to play the other teams six times each to get to 24 games. Any discussion about a WHL postseason yet that you're able to tell me? No, there's there's uh, there's been nothing that I'm able to to tell you, but I know there's lots of discussion on it. That's uh, that's pretty much where it's at, and um, you know we I think uh, everyone's done a good job. First, let's get playing. Let's see if we can get playing. Let's stay healthy and, and see. But there's lots of discussion on what's going to happen at the end. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic they'll be able to do uh, to do something. I, I, I've asked Brad Lauer that a few times. I'm, I'm hoping to get the scoop, but I, <laughs> I realize yeah, there's, yeah. Still, there's still a yeah. lot. Way to work. <laughs> yeah, still, still a lot to figure out there, but, uh, but yeah. it is. I, I'm glad to see the WHL going. Uh, just tell me, I mean, I know obviously with a different schedule for you, have you been able to watch a lot of uh, NHL? And, and if so, I mean, I don't know if you think back to when you were a player, what it would have been like to play uh you know the same team three times in a week and uh nine times over the course of a four-month season yeah well i i uh, yeah i watch i watch a lot of hockey that's pretty much uh, all i do and i i i think uh you know the canadian division is so exciting i i i just love it and, and you know you got all these mini series and how competitive it is and every team is good uh, so every night is just playoff hockey, and it's really, really easy uh, to watch these games from the couch. Um, and I know how tough it is behind that bench and how tight everything is and the nerves are going, but sure is fun from the couch. Yeah, well, somebody wrote in earlier and said if the if the Oilers want to beat the Leafs, they need a, you know, a Ken Lidsman-like irritator to get out there and get under the Leafs' skin. But I, I don't know if the Leafs are going to engage in any of that stuff. They they just kind of kept it, uh, kept their uh, noses clean against the Oilers in those three games last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And well, everyone knows that. Uh, you know the Oilers. You know they they have a really good power play too. So you know, have to be disciplined. There's a lot that go into it, and, and every game is just so tight. So you know, like I said, I I just love watching it, but I know it's very stressful for you know for you know the players playing. Well, they might must really enjoy it, but it's just so tight. It's playoff hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mark, it's great to catch up with you. All the best with Prince George. It's always fun to have you on the show, and I'm so glad that you and the other BC teams are going, and I hope we can talk again here uh, later on in the season. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. That is Mark Lamb checking in tonight, head coach and GM of the Prince George Cougars in the BC Division of the Western Hockey League. And, of course, an Edmonton Oiler, uh, 88 through 92, got a big uh, overtime goal in the playoffs. And uh, did he not get an overtime goal against the Winnipeg Jets in that first-round series? I believe that was the one he got. Uh, pretty good pretty good player through his NHL career. Wound up playing 403 games, kind of a guy who could uh, help you in, uh, you know, those uh, not... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Glamorous parts of the game. And he's done a good job as well as a coach. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Back after the break. Okay, appreciate you tuning in tonight. I uh, got a text here. Just tuning in, wondering if you could catch us up on a possible trade with Buffalo and Edmonton. Well, it's it's a rumor at best. I, I will emphasize that to that texter and anybody else just tuning in tonight. Pierre Lebrun from TSN, who's one of the most respected guys in the hockey media business. So if he's reporting it, I, I, I would say there's at least something there. I don't think he would throw things out and just, you know, randomly not worry about having sources or a little bit of confirmation. But he says that Eric Stahl would be open to a deal to a contender. He has a partial a partial no trade, which means 10 teams are on the no trade list. That leaves 20 teams he would go to. Uh, and the Edmonton Oilers are a club possibly interested in adding Eric Stahl. That's, that's what we have from Pierre Lebrun. Eric Stahl makes $3.25 million. He's an unrestricted free agent after the season. He is 36. He has eight points in 23 games and is minus 15 on a very bad Buffalo team. His face-offs are 47.5%. If the Oilers were to acquire Eric Stahl, they'd have to trade out similar money or maybe trade out you know, a couple million dollars and get Buffalo to retain a million or so. So that's the story there. We, we discussed it a little more in depth uh, earlier in the show as well, the possibility of, uh, you know, looking at Jake DeBrusque or somebody like that. So they are rumors. Uh, you know, if you listen to me over the years, you know that I'm not big into trade rumors because you can kind of talk yourself into circles sometimes, but this is a report from Pierre Lebrun. So I think we have to actually consider this player and how he would fit in in Edmonton. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> How long do we have here, Kellen? About a minute and a half? I hope I have time. Okay, I think I have time to read this. So, first of all, we had an off-topic topic, and now this is further off-topic. This is the off-off-off-topic. Okay. Okay, I don't have time to read it. I got to save it. Somebody wrote in this text about rugby and football, which is actually not what we are talking about. We are talking about which position in a team sport do you most respect or admire or think is the alpha position? Uh, I mean, if somebody wrote in a great uh, text here about why they admire wrestlers, not WWE, but like actual wrestlers, but that's not, that's not the topic either. We're talking about team sports, but somebody has written this incredible text comparing rugby and football, and it's very passionate. So I don't want to cut it short. I'll, I'll do that before we sign off at eight tonight, because it is a heck of a text, even though it's off the off topic. Because that person puts, I could tell you poured your heart into this. You're like Ernest Hemingway writing a novel on a boat with a glass of scotch. Kevin Martin's coming up next.
So Winnipeg gets the win in Toronto, 4-3 the final. Also, the Panthers knock off the Blue Jackets, 4-2. Detroit with a 3-2 lead on the Lightning in the third. In the second period, Dallas up 2-0 on Chicago. Six minutes left in Carolina. Hurricanes and Predators tied 2-2. Late in the third in Washington, the Devils have tied it. It's 4-4. Three goals in about seven minutes for New Jersey to tie that one up at four. In overtime, the Sabres and Flyers tied at four. Gostisbehere scoring with about five and a half to go on the power play for Philly to even that one up. Man, the Sabres are just having such a tough time. Bruins and Islanders 1-1 are in overtime. And the Penguins win on home ice 4-2 against the Rangers at the Briar. I actually, they're not showing this one on TV. So I'm just going on the curling.ca website. In the fifth end, it is Northern Ontario leading Alberta's Botcher Rink 2-1. Botcher coming in with a record of 3-1. And, and uh, Jacob sitting at 3-2. and two. So that's a big game in the race to uh, be in the top four in the pool and advance to the championship pool. Pleased to be joined by the greatest curler of all time. Now, I know that makes it sound, Kevin, like this is, oh, my God, Reed's got the greatest <laughs> curler of all time. But that's what you were voted in 2019, so that's what I'm going with. Kevin Martin is on the show. How are you doing, Kevin? Hi, Reed. <laughs> really good. Thanks. You bet. Do, do, you, do, you, do you like hearing that? Do you care that that poll was done and you were picked the best skip ever, or do you just are you just like, whatever, it doesn't matter to me? Well, I thought it was really good that they actually asked my mom and dad for the vote. So that was, that, so that was really important. I thought that, you know, that, that, uh, that I might have been a little bit uh, biased there. But anyways, it's, it's all good. <laughs> that helped pad the vote a little bit. Hey, I, yeah, you and I always have a blast when you come on the show. I thought of something I, I've never asked you before. Uh, one of your nicknames is Kmart, which is obvious how people came up with that. Where did the old bear come from? And did people call you that when you were of a younger age than you are now? Uh, good question. Yeah. So where that came from, uh, the fellow who third through third for me for quite a few years, Kevin Park, once, uh, when we were, we were done curling together in the, uh, mid nineties, um, for some reason, he came up with that. I guess big legs and big butt, kind of like Jack Nicholas. And uh, so he he brought he he started it, the old bear, and it, it caught on. And uh, in around the curling circles, that's still what uh, most people uh, call me, which is uh, which is great. And that's uh, but that was Kevin Park actually in about 1996 or 97 that he came up with that name. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I never knew that. I, I'd, I'd always seen that as a nickname, and I, I just thought it was that you growled at people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I never growl at anybody. <laughs> no, no, no comment. All right. So uh, be, before we <clears throat> before we dive into some of the stuff you've been seeing this week, um, I mean, tell me, and, and I know it's different in the bubble this year, but but tell me about Briar Week. Is that an enjoyable week for curlers if you're going in one of the favorites can you enjoy the experience or is it just pressure cooker playing every second draw playing early in the morning sometimes like what's the stress of the week like in managing it well i think it's like any sport is it a pressure cooker absolutely but that's the fun part so um yes obviously uh this year 
with no crowd. It's weird. No crowd, no no briar patch. The energy of a briar is fantastic. And it's just all different this year, but it's been different in every sport. And I guess for the, for the curlers, um, certainly it'll be fun. Um, and, and it'll be tiring as, as always, you know, and, but the focus will be so different. Usually you get on the ice and the big crowd roaring and it just gets you into the game. Well, the, the focus has to be a little different this year with no crowd. You know, you've got to get up same as, you know, as if there was a crowd, but you don't have that crowd to lift you up. So somehow you and the rest of your team have to be able to somehow draw energy from someplace. And that's, that's tricky. That's not, it's not an easy trick. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of this week, the team that's able to do that will be the one that ends up uh, at the top of the podium. Well, I like how you put that because sometimes when, when we cover uh, hockey here, we say, well, the Oilers got to create their own energy. Well, a guy can go out and throw a body check, but in curling, you can't, and you kind of can only... Yep. execute the shot that the other team left you and maybe that doesn't create a lot of energy that shot well yeah and it's such a well not just that but it's such a long week it's not where you play one game and, and sure you have a couple of hits or get in a fight and get the energy going but curling's not like that this is a it starts on friday and ends the following sunday so you got nine 10 days of curling and you're playing all the time and it's 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 a it's an unusual event there aren't many events that are that long and not many games involved so uh yeah it, it it's a really different focus and you know carrie anderson uh we had her we have a inside curling podcast and we had her on after she won and that was the first thing she said was that she thought her team did a really good job of 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 getting excited over pretty much anything that occurred on the ice to, to you know, keep uh, keep excited and into the game. So, you know, if, if any of the guys' teams in the briar here can do that, uh, they'll get a lot further because if you get kind of, uh, I guess, worrying or, or, or waiting for that roar of the crowd, it's not coming. Those cardboard figures don't make a lot of noise. Yeah, it was funny, too, uh, the, from what I've been able to watch and some of the highlights I've seen. Well, it's not funny. It's super weird. Don't get the reaction. Did did you see the the uh, the Greg Smith shot where he was like, "Well, the hell with it. We're losing anyway." And then he made this incredible shot, and there's like no reaction. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, in a normal building, the place would have erupted. That was a ridiculous <laughs> around the horn shot. And uh, I actually, yeah, I sent him a a nice tweet out there uh, because that was that was just an amazing shot. And, uh, but you're right that normally it would be absolutely huge amount of noise uh when you make a shot like that but not a whisper <laughs> not not, not a anything and that's that's so strange yeah kevin martin joining us tonight on uh inside sports talking a little bit about the uh the briar which of course is going on right now the game they're showing by the way is manitoba new brunswick and manitoba's up 3-1 uh in the fourth manitoba beat the botcher rink actually the first game back on saturday morning so i, I you know there are there's a new format now kevin for the last couple of years and then this year it's even been further expanded but there are wild card teams even though teams are labeled by province, there's a lot of blurring as to where the curlers <laughs> actually live. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about this before. Is Could there ever be a world where it's not provinces? It's just the skip's name and it's the 14 best rinks in the country. And, and that's who they play. Does, does curling have to get to that or how do you look at it? 
Yeah, you know what? That's very interesting. We've talked about this a lot, and I guess it depends. There has to be. I think there should be. Uh, like in most sports, an amateur national championship where people come from every province and territory and you battle it out for some sort of an amateur championship. I think that's really important. But when you're talking about the national championship that leads to a world championship, I totally believe it should only be the top. You pick the number, read 10, 11, 12, whatever the number is, and it's the very, very best Um, The reason I say that, and I don't want to get people upset, um, the reason I say that is somebody like a Tanner Horgan. Now, this young person is ranked, I believe Tanner's ranked number 11 in the world. He might be number 10, 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Really, really strong team uh, in Canada, sorry, and uh, but comes out of Manitoba. Well, hasn't nobody knows his name because he hasn't got to a briar because, well, there's a lineup of teams, Gunners, Terrific, and McEwen, and so on. So he just hasn't had the opportunity. If he was from a different province, like he'd get to the Briar every year. Well, that's not fair. To me, we want to look after our young people coming up, like Tanner, and make sure that they get the experience of being in the national championship when they earn the right. And that's the top X, 10, 11, 12. I really believe that's who we have to have uh, trying to get to the Worlds, trying to get the Olympic Games. We do that with the Olympic trials, you know, and, and we only we didn't we don't play the the briar the way it is today, and the winner goes to the Olympics. Well, why not? Well, because that means all the funding for our athletes, and you wouldn't do it that way. Well, how do we do it? Well, we have a Olympic trials, the best of the best. Okay. Well, well, well what what's going on here? Why why the difference? So, I think you're right. It's something that will happen. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, but does it, does an interprovincial championship have to happen? Absolutely, uh, but it, but not to go to the world. It would be something different. Yeah, I, I, I've I've really come around to your your way of thinking. With the more I've talked about curling here over the last few years, and, and I you know I, I'm sensitive to this because look, if you're the 50th best rink in Canada, you're still a really damn good curling team but you might go to the you might go to the briar and not do very well and i know you know the territories teams generally don't do very well i mean botcher beat a team 13-5 this week and again i don't want to respect those teams but like you said is there a, a kid ranked 10th or 11th that might go into this and and be more competitive so i i see what you're saying yeah not even competitive today you know, a young person, I think Tanner's 23, if I'm not mistaken. So is he going to be competitive at 23? Well, probably not. But if we can get him in this championship every year for the next three or four years, I'll tell you what, when he's Brendan Botcher's age, yeah, he'll be competitive. But now because of the province he lives in, he can't get to the national championship because he has to kind of wait his turn because you've got to wait for, you know, McEwen to retire and maybe Gunner to retire and somebody else. Well, now the, the poor kid's 32 and just getting started, so he's either quit the game or if he does hang in there, well, great. But, you know, that's that's not the the answer, I don't think. Making, depending on where you live, uh, a waiting game, depending on the depth of your competition. That seems yeah. kind of odd to me. Yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, for sure. Okay, I, are you able to watch Botch's game tonight? Or are you just following it online like I am? Yeah, same as you. No, there's no way okay. to, uh, to to know. And uh, I, was, I was kind of surprised they didn't actually key on that game because, you know, obviously one of the early favorites is, is Jacobs. And then Botcher too, but but they're only at one loss. But Jacobs is actually uh, cliffhanging right now at 3-2. and two. 
uh, one more loss for them, and that, that could be curtains. So um, I'm really interested in that game, and I know uh, Jacob's got a deuce early. Uh, so they're up 2-1 now. They forced Botcher into a single, so they're up 2-1 with Hammer uh, playing five, but uh, pretty close game, so we'll see how it uh, unfolds. And, of course, uh, your son, uh, Kark Martin's on the team. He's been on this show as uh, well. Actually, he and Molden came into s- his studio when I used to be able to go to the studio and have <laughs> people in. Hopefully we do that again someday. You know, Botch, it, it Botch's team... I mean, incredible. Three consecutive Briar finals, which is almost unheard of. Uh, but but he hasn't got the win. Uh, I mean, you've been through all those battles. You've had big highs and his lows. How have you seen them? And, and I know there are tons of other events, but a lot of Canadian fans, if they only watch one curling event all year, they, they watch the Briar. So that's what a lot of people sure. remember. How have you seen them handle those Briar disappointments just in their overall development as a group the last three years? Yeah, well, I think they've improved every year, which is very important. The first time they got to the final, uh, they didn't have a chance. They, they got steamrolled by Gushu. Um, the next year, they had a chance against Gui, and last year, again, they I kind of thought they might even win it last year, playing Gushu in the final, but it just didn't pan out that way. But they're coming a long way, and uh, Don Bartlett, um, he's... He, he said something really, really good is that, you know, we went to the first Briar of ours in 1991, we managed to win it, but then... In 92, we lost the semi to uh, Russ Howard. And then 95, we lost the semi to uh, Kerry Burtnick. 96, we lost the final to um, Jeff Stoughton. And then finally won another one in 1997. So, you know, you need to learn by losing. And, and this is nothing unusual. And uh, Brennan Bodger is very, very young. So for him to not have won it yet is no big deal. But what I do see in their team is that every year they're getting a little bit better. So, uh, and you can see that on their tour results and their world, world ranking. So, they're just getting a little bit better all the time, and they'll they'll win sometime. Will it be this year? Who knows? There's no, there's, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's a marathon. It's not really a sprint, and just a matter of when they do win the first time. <laughs> Watch out! It'll be tough to stop them the next time. But you you really thought in 2018, even though they had a great week and made it all the way to the final, and your son's on the team, you really thought that they would they'd be hard pressed to win it first try in the final. I did. They, did. they weren't as good as Gushu uh, up and down the lineup. Not enough experience, and, and that's a big stage. That final, did, they weren't ready, and and they didn't really push Gushu at all. And then the next year against Kevin Cooey, they probably should have won it. Um, you know, Brennan was trying to split the house. It would have had to hammer in the extra. Came a little deep, a little excited. And Kevin makes, of course, a beautiful double, which which he'll do all day long. But that was a really good chance to win uh, win that game. And then. Uh, they got stuck with a, as you know, Rita, a bit of a straight stone last year against uh, Gushu. Uh, Botcher had a straight one, and you hear curtains when it's like that. But you know they're getting better every year, and that's really all a team can do. Um, and it's just kind of a waiting game at that point. Okay, uh, let people know what you are up to. You, you've obviously been doing a lot of broadcasting, and and I know you got the podcast going. And Dave, uh, I know I think Dave was in touch with you. You might be traveling in the near future what's going on yeah, yeah you're saying i do lots of broadcasting well i haven't done a lot in the last year but <laughs> uh, prior to that you bet yeah lots of broadcasting but um, actually we'll be working in the bubble 
for the World Men's um, with the World Curling Federation. Um, I go into the bubble on the 29th of March, so do the World Men's, and then it finishes, and the two Grand Slam events, the uh, Champions Cup and the Players' Championship, go back-to-back after that. And those events end on April 25th, and then the World Women's. And I don't know if I'm working in the bubble with the World Curling Federation or I call a lot of times the World Women's uh, with NBC out of NBC Studios in Connecticut. So I don't know the answer to who I'm working for yet, one or the other. Um, When does that end? I think that ends May 9th or 10th, whatever the Sunday is. Uh, And then there's still talk, of course, uh, there's a possibility of the World Mixed Doubles going into the bubble. I know they're trying to get it in Aberdeen. Tom Brewster, a good curler, great curler out of Scotland, is still hoping to have the world mixed doubles in Aberdeen, Scotland, but that would not be in a bubble. That would be a normal event, and that's just very difficult to do right now, and if it doesn't happen there, they're trying to have it in the bubble. bubble's been going great. If that's the case, the bubble won't end until uh, Sunday, I believe it's May 23rd, if that's Sunday. So there's a a lot of bubble potentially yet to go. Okay. Well, you're going to be on Inside Sports a lot then because you're going to have nothing else to do. So we'll be bugging you a lot. You can call me anytime, Reed. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, it's always a pleasure. I, you know, I love getting your perspective on what's going on uh, currently in the game and always going down memory lane a bit with you as well. Uh, Jacob's got one, so they're up 3-1 on Botcher after five. We're both going to keep an eye on that. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Hey, you bet. Thanks a lot. Yeah, bye-bye. That's Kevin Martin checking in four-time Briar champ himself, of course, and uh, now his son, Karik, playing for Brendan Botcher at the uh, at the Bubble Briar in Calgary. Inside Sports on Ched, back in a couple minutes. Humans being from the classic film Twister. And yes, I'm using the term classic very liberally. Okay, so somebody wrote in about uh, rugby. Well, because I said quarterback to me is like the position in all of team sports. That's that's the alpha position. So somebody says something about rugby, and I said, what is your alpha position in team sports? You know, the one where you think you got to be the just the best, the best athlete, toughest, leadership, brains, all that kind of stuff. So this is now off that off topic, but it was such a passionate and somewhat amusing text. I wanted to read it. So this person said, I don't even know who wrote this. I don't see a name on it. You should let me know your name when you write in, by the way, or use a handle like the big L. Well, the big L could be his real name. So this person says international rugby and NFL football are like comparing apples and oranges, which, by the way, we weren't specifically doing, but this person felt the need to do it. (laughs) He or she goes on to say, with all due respect to North American footballers, which is a game worthy of respect, here's the NFL. Four minutes, uh, sorry, four hours of a 60-minute game played in five-second intervals, incessant interruptions, timeouts, commercials. Average ball in play is 13 minutes per game. Clock management kills the spirit of the sporting contest. 11 aside, at least five referees not counting the replay booth. Uh, There's three teams per side, offense, defense, and special teams. Some players are on for 15 seconds a game, and special teams players don't even break a sweat. 
depending on the position, very limited skill development is required. Average play, ball is snapped, play is made pedantically, repetitively. There's a flag for something immaterial to the outcome of the play. The referees huddle. There's a five-minute replay, jury selection. The players call their lawyers. There's a plea bargain. The call is made, and there's a due hour. Four hours of this crap. (laughs) Wow, what a text. Uh, That is from someone who prefers the flow of rugby to the start-stop of uh, football, specifically the NFL. Victor says uh, backcatcher. Well, from the very informal poll we did, I think backcatcher won. Catcher in baseball is the alpha position. Write it down, everybody. Put it in your memoirs. Okay, we got to go. Uh, on the scoreboard, just remind you, the, the Jets beat the Leafs tonight. That was the only Canadian division game, 4-3. Winnipeg won that one, and it's Jacobs leading Botcher 5-1, going to the sixth end at the Briar. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. Face-off show tomorrow at 4.30. Game at 6. Oilers, Senators. I'll talk to you then. Take care. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.